podcast is out. The age of independence is here, where the next generation of high-performing agencies transform the agency landscape. I'm a mom, a businesswoman, and mega startup coach. This podcast is all about you, the agency owner, stepping into the new wave of opportunity, knocking out the competition in the modern market. This is the Age of Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. Welcome to the show. Hello, agents. This is Caitlin Agar with the Age of Independence Podcast, and we are here to stretch the status quo of what is possible for your agency in the coming year. And so today I brought on a really special guest to help us do just that. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Oh, doing fantastic. So welcome to the show, Chris Green. You are the one and only flood insurance guru joining us today from Georgia. Yeah, today. <laughs> I almost said the sunny beaches of Georgia. What is it? What is it like today in Georgia for you, sir? Uh, it's actually sunny today after having that tropical storm come through a little bit of Georgia this week. That's great to hear. Now, at the time that we're recording this podcast, how what is, can you just tell us a little bit about what tropical, tropical storm season has been like for you guys at this uh, point? It's been interesting. This is you know basically the most storms we've ever had. Uh, we've wow. got uh, we tied a record this year for the most hurricane landfalls in the state, which was Louisiana, which tied Florida from 2005. Wow, that is crazy. It's been interesting, but I said it's been a lot of inland flooding. You know, we've had 29 moratoriums this year. Uh, so, and they just don't, you know, what well, agencies and coast areas understand moratoriums. So imagine 29 of them in seven states at the same time. Oh my gosh, that is just crazy. So I know that your phone has been ringing off the hook, but not just with, not just with clients calling in, you're hearing from carriers right now and agents. So like, tell me what that's been like for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll be honest with you. You know, it probably doesn't, a day doesn't go by that I have five or 10 messages in my messenger on Facebook. Says, hey, I don't know what to do in this situation. And so we answer the question, but thankfully a lot of times we can actually share a piece of our content with them where we've already answered the question and use it as a resource to help them. Absolutely. So, so what is like, watching the weather look like in your house in the green household um i imagine it's got to be at a heightened level to what even the average insurance agent would would probably be doing as far as checking the news and the weather no my wife's not a big news fan so i try to keep my phone if i can because she'd left two minutes and she'd see you later (laughs) so when I was a kid growing up I have this like really vivid memory of like my dad always wanted to watch the evening news and I would think it was boring because I was you know a small child and I remember being like dad do you have to watch the news tonight and he'd be like well you know I'd be like why do you watch it and he'd be like you know I gotta check the weather for tomorrow and I'd be like but you can't change it so why (laughs) would you watch it but it's uh it's funny to reflect on that now as an insurance agent and just how important these these weather changes can be for what the next couple weeks and next couple months will look like especially well, i actually have an alert app on my phone that alerts yeah. me of any flood watch or flood warning in anywhere in the united states wow and so then i can use that to actually alert our customers in that area before it happens and so you you're in georgia but tell us where your clients are my clients are all over the country my average client is probably 1500 miles away from where i'm at 
Wow. And I think that's something that surprises people, especially if we have any um, clients listening to this episode. Where do you see floods happening and what should clients that are inland be aware of? You know, the majority of where we see the issues are areas like Virginia. You know, recently Virginia had a river that rose 26 feet in 24 hours earlier this year. Oh, my goodness. A lot of flooding in areas where people didn't have flood insurance because they're in low-risk flood zones. Then you've got Michigan where two dams burst earlier this year who were no longer accredited that caused a lot of issues in Michigan. Then you had Jackson, Mississippi, where you had a lot of flooding as a result of a clogged pipe that caused flooding all over Jackson, Mississippi. Oh my goodness. Uh, you got areas of 2019 in like Texas and Oklahoma, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, 2018 was Iowa. You had moratoriums in place for six months because it was just like these weather patterns would sit over the Midwest just for months. Uh, now we're getting in winter time. So now it's time to start the education for Minnesota and Wisconsin on snowmelt patterns. Wow. So, and I think a lot of those things would surprise our clients, but also the producers within our agencies that are getting their feet wet in the insurance industry. They're learning car, they're learning home for the first time. They know that they're supposed to talk to clients about things like earthquake coverage and flood coverage, but it can feel a little overwhelming because there's so, um, so many nuances to being properly covered for flood and so many myths that are out there. So like, what are some of the myths that you just want to debunk today once and for all when it comes to what people should know about being properly covered with flood? Well, first of all, everyone's in a flood zone. So that's the number one thing. Actually in Oklahoma in 2019, we heard a lot of people say, Hey, my insurance agent told me I wasn't in a flood zone, but I just lost everything because of a flood. Oh my gosh. You just created this massive E&O issue for your agency. Um, we see it a lot with captive agents. They just don't know. They say it's a flood zone X. Oh, you don't need a flood insurance. It's not required. As soon as you say that, you're on the hook. And so, you know, we spent 2019 in parts of Oklahoma, Iowa, Nebraska, meeting with flood victims about what happened, why their house was flooded, how we could help them mitigate those things in the future so that they didn't have to worry about. Using that mitigation effort, going to insurance carriers and getting them a more appropriate rate based on the actions they're willing to take. Absolutely. So what would, um, what would you tell an agent that has clients in say an in state like Arizona, what would you tell that agent as far as just things they can make sure that they're communicating to their clients to keep them, you know, up to speed so they can make really great decisions. I tell them Arizona is one of the most frequently flooded areas. Just because you don't see a flood on the news doesn't mean a flood doesn't happen. Wow. FEMA's definition of a flood is either two acres or inundated with water or two properties. And so you get this a lot in Arizona because of monsoon season. Their base flood elevation is very low because they're very close to sea level. But it may only take half an inch of rain to cause a flood problem because of the way water runoff runs in that area and because they get it so quickly during monsoon season, which is usually like May to uh, October, I think. Uh, now this year, thankfully, there hasn't been as big of an issue as there have in years in the past. But Arizona is a big area like Gilbert. Uh, Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale, where we do a lot, Bisbee, on um, commercial properties where they can cause a lot of issues. Now you're like super active on social media. You're one of my favorite people to follow because you always have something fresh coming out and it could be Chris grilling for the day, you know, keeping us up to speed on what's going on. And so I know the answer to, the, to this question, but I want our listeners to hear it. Can you, can you just talk to us about wildfires? And I, I heard somebody ask you really recently, like, um, shouldn't, you know, it, it feels like we should be concerned more about like 
wildfires in my area. So how does flood pertain to me where I am? Well, actually, I just set up a policy this week for someone in California on wildfires. Wildfires actually create one of the biggest flood exposures out there. And the reason is it takes FEMA a few years to change a flood map, to do a flood insurance study. Problem is when a wildfire happens, and this happened in Gatlinburg about five years ago, after the Gatlinburg fire, you know, yeah, half the Gatlinburg forest had burned down. Well, when it rains and you have a natural setting, about 90% of that runoff is soaked into the ground. When you go and develop that area, it turns to 10%. It turns a lot of runoff. So when you lose all that vegetation, you start having an issue with mud flows and mudslides. Now, mud flows are covered by flood insurance, but mudslides aren't. So maybe these people who live at the bottom of the hill, truly they should be in a high-risk flood zone, but maybe the flood map is a few years behind and getting changed. But we wow. can use better technology with Google Earth, GIS, and some other things to help them truly understand their flood risk. Because each one of our customers, we actually do what's called a flood risk analysis for them. No matter what flood zone they're in, we show them what the true risk is. You know, the history of flooding in the area. Hey, would my property actually flood during this time period, even though they say the base flood elevation may only come here? Right. A real risk, or what's my true risk? Wow. So, have you have you always been into like science and um, and weather and all that good stuff? Does that go a ways back, or was this like a total transformation for you at, at some point in your life? Now, my dad's a physicist and used okay. to work at that nuclear power plants. And my wow. brother's a chemical, environmental, civil engineer. And in college, I uh, actually wanted to be a meteorologist, but I actually ended up became, and became a storm chaser. So in Alabama, before they had Doppler radar, they had this thing called Alabama Skywarn. The only way they knew a tornado was on the ground is that we spotted it and we called it in and we let them know where it was at. And so through college, um, I was certified by the National Weather Service to actually spot tornadoes, call them in and everything. Oh my gosh. So, isn't that like every little boy's dream though, to be a storm chaser one day. So you are like living, we're living every little kid's dream at one point. I go out west and chase tornadoes, but uh, I didn't really have to go far because Alabama at that time was like tornado alley. Yeah. Um, But I was, I I even served on my college uh, disaster team. I did volunteer work for the hazmat team. Cause what happened is when I got ready to graduate from college, I realized that I didn't really want to do undergrad business management, but I was getting married two weeks after graduation. So changing it wasn't an option. Right. So I wanted to go back and get my master's. So I started doing a lot of volunteer work to go with that because my ultimate goal was to be either an emergency manager, you know, maybe work for FEMA, weapons of mass destruction, something like that. Wow. But then when we got married, my wife didn't really want me traveling all the time. So I went to work for a rental car company for about six years. Uh, while I also got my master's and then I got into insurance in 2009 when I worked for Liberty. And I was like, I'm going to stay in this for six months and I'm going to work for the National Catastrophe Team. So is your wife like deep down a little relieved that you didn't pursue storm chasing for the, <laughs> for yeah, the like, long yeah, haul? She, she didn't want to be a military wife, which is how it would have been with FEMA. Is I would have been gone all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I don't blame her. So, so what are some of the like crazy questions that you get? Like what do people, because you're like super vocal about what you do. You're out on social media. You guys can find Chris Green, the flood insurance guru on tons of social media platforms. So I'm just curious, like what kind of stuff hits your inbox? I get some pretty crazy questions like, Hey, what was the other one the other day? Oh, the big thing is uh, with the boats and marinas, the way they flood. Like if a building's over water, how does that work? You know, am I going to get flood coverage? What most people don't realize is most of the time it's impossible to get flood coverage over water. Now FEMA does have some stipulations about when a building's built, when it's improved, part of it's over water. But that's the big thing we get is, hey, I got this restaurant. It's built half on water. I can't get flood insurance on it. 
But then we go in and we meet with them. We realize, oh, it's just the dock that's on the water. Foundation's not on the water. And we start diving deep. And he's like, oh, I had no idea I could get flood insurance on the restaurant. It sits on water. So you love those wins where you can like get in there and, and figure out how to make See, it. It's not about like selling all these policies for me. It's about diving in deep and finding a solution. Yeah. Honestly, that's to me, that's the biggest win. I just enjoy that. I feel or like I take a phone up to a customer for our consulting site and say, hey, we just got you changed from a high risk flood zone to a low risk flood zone. We've already gotten a letter from the mortgage company that it's not going to be required, which is going to help you increase you know, the property value in your home. Um, you know, doing all this though, remember you agreed to keep flood insurance on the property just at a preferred rate. So what's the most amount of money you've saved a client on what they were spending on flood? If they were just, I'm assuming that you have people that are rated incorrectly. And yesterday was right at $70,000. What? On a commercial, it was, it's a, a big commercial property uh, up in Ohio uh, where we've been helping uh, Hampton Inn remove 12 of the hotels from uh, high risk flood zones. Wow. Well, that's got to feel good. You almost need like a scoreboard in the agency. It takes takes money out of our pocket. I joke. Man, there goes my commission. (laughs) I mean, they can sell those properties now. We can help them increase the value, which at the end of the day, it's about the education and creating change. Right. Absolutely. So you have taken a different approach with educating clients and agents on flood then what I've even seen was common, even if we go back three, four, five years ago, you're, it used to be like blogs or email marketing. And I feel like you're really leveraging technology to try to get your message out to as many people as possible. And I think it's so important because like you said, a flood affects us all. We're all in a flood zone. And so it's really important that this message gets to everyone. So, so tell me a little bit about like what kind of platforms you're using and how technology is helping you have such a broad reach? Well, the big, I took a video course probably three years ago now uh, with Nicholas Harris called Major League Video that really taught me video. But what it taught me was psychology you know, of the buyer and things like that. And so you'll never really see me shooting video in front of a green screen if something's really wrong. Um, but, you know, YouTube's kind of was where I started with him. And it was Facebook and it was all these different platforms. So shout but, out to Nicholas Ayers, made you look. <laughs> so my thing, you know, and getting from these people, I hear from people all the time. Hey, I saw your Facebook ad. I said, I don't run Facebook ads. And it's just because Facebook has seen some of our organics so strong that it's putting those videos in front of other agents because they see them as relevant. And so my thing with them is, hey, I want to protect these people from an E&O claim. You know, I don't want them to lose a customer because of flood because they didn't know where to turn. It's the same reason why I started this whole video journey of 365 flood education videos in 365 days. So can you repeat that part for us? Because I don't want to glaze over that. That might be a record. (laughs) Well, it was three. I started out as a 30 day video. change. I want to see how video changes our business. Let's go back and look at it, which is I did that in 2018. When I realized, you know, let's take one year and let's do flood education videos every day for a year. And so I did that in 2019 and I got to the end of the year I and mean, it was a huge, we just blew up. It was a huge impact the way we're using video. Wow. I said, let's keep a single in the 500. So I got the 500 and I said, well, let's keep it going. And so it, it, in December, I will hit 700 videos in 700 days. And my goal is a thousand videos in a thousand days. And uh, my buddy Heath Sharon um, asked if, hey, are you going to stop at a thousand? I said, honestly, I'm going to keep going as long as the content will keep yeah. going. Right. Uh, people are using it. People are using it as a resource. But honestly, 
we're bringing something to an industry on a, a niche product that's lacked a long time, which is getting education up. So that's got to take a lot of time and energy, right? It is so, exhausting. So there, there's, I've been reading about how there's like different types of energy. Creative energy is one of those. And so figuring out like how you can harness like your creative energy and maximize it. It could have to do with like what time of the day you feel most creative or um, what kind of activities really just like suck the creative energy out of your life. So, so how do you manage create creative energy and like planning ahead when you're talking just that magnitude of content and just the consistency that goes into 700 videos. In, in well, a lot of it is I keep a Google spreadsheet on our desktop for me. Okay. I'm a assistant customer calls and has got a question. We put the question on that Google spreadsheet. At the end of the week, I can go back and see what we want to shoot video on, what we want to do podcast on, what we want to do blog on. Now, they generally have all to do with each other. Usually what I'll do is a podcast. I may do it generic video. I may focus it more in a local area. And the same thing with a blog. I might write the video on Birmingham, Alabama. But then I might do the, um, the blog on Homewood, Alabama, which is a suburb of Birmingham, Alabama. So I can super focus it. And then I can link all that different content in the same blog together. But on the, I'm not creative at all. I'm not a creative individual at all. And I said, but Nick's course has taught me that. Like that, I tell people, I combine my videos now between being an idiot, looking professional and providing good content. I mean, my family won't even be seen with me with my hat on. I was going to say, saying you're not creative is a little bit of an understatement because most people wouldn't necessarily think of that hat to just add to their insurance wardrobe but it's perfect <laughs> if it kind of started as a joke i saw it six flags for ten dollars i said that's fine i bought it and i started using my videos I was like you know crap happens uh, flood insurance so you know this is why you need flood insurance and it just kind of took off and then we kind of became known for the hat and so it just kind of was this huge accident and so i use all different kinds of hats i have an umbrella hat that i wear a lot of times if i'm shooting in the rain um I have, you know, my normal flood guru hat. I have all these different hats that I've worn. Um, just to, and I use it, I said, just kind of be creative and start the conversation. I mean, I drink spoiled milk in one of my videos and, shut, and spit it out. You're bringing um, the fun back into insurance. I dressed up as a woman last week talking about disguised flood zones. Yeah. I, th <laughs> I got to look that one up. I haven't seen it yet. So we'll have to like link it in the comments here. Um, but what I love about this is the opportunity. I'm, I'm picturing like, the producer in the agency that like should be talking about flood, but they're not there yet because they haven't learned it. And if they have like YouTube videos where they can click and learn and like get up to speed on this stuff, I think they're just, it just makes it that much easier for them to become that trusted advisor that they're aspiring to be as, to someone that's newer in the industry. And, and that's, what's happening. that's why the YouTube channel is there. That's why the videos are there. We have a playlist just for insurance agents. We have a playlist for realtors, lenders, that's commercial building owners where we address all these different things. We're even building out a knowledge-based article system on our website uh, for them. So I, I feel like creativity is something that, that grows, right? So over time, I think a lot of people would say like, oh, I'm not creative because we think, um, when we, we think of a creative person, we think of the person that can throw like the huge parties or that can come up with the really funny memes on Facebook or something that if we can't do that, that we're not creative. But it's one of those things that like, it's like that snowball going downhill that the more you start putting out new stuff, um, the more ideas come to the surface. At least that's what I found in my case. So I feel like it's, it's being productive and getting new, 
that space where those new ideas can bubble to the surface and then input, which is why I'm so passionate about things like podcasts and YouTube videos, because when you're constantly having a funnel of input that's just coming in, you can't help but be creative with that. So that's pretty cool. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recruiting, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. I'll this when I write a blog, I'll start writing the blog, um, and I'll discover five different topics while I'm writing the blog inside the blog. And so what I do is I just go to my phone and I put them in the notes section. And so I have 250 different ideas in my phone right now that I can go to and look at. Um, and so when something pops in my head, I put it in there because I'll forget about it. You know, my daughter had a uh, Little Mermaid outfit, and I used the wig from that for disguised flood zones. <laughs> my dashboard. Like, I'm gonna, I think there's know, a lot you can do with mermaids. I didn't know what I was going to do the video on until ten minutes before I did it, and yeah. that's how a lot of days are. Um, but now I'm on my seven by seven by seven challenge the rest of the year to make sure I can get to the thousand pieces of flood education content. So I'm doing a blog, a podcast, and a video every single day the rest of the year. So, so break down seven by seven by seven for us. Well, it's a blog, it's a video, it's a podcast. And the reason I do that is the video reaches one audience, the text reaches another audience, or the audio may reach someone else who doesn't like watching a video, doesn't have time to read it. Every single day. Yep. Okay. And all of my podcasts are usually about five minutes or less. So I feel like that's something that all of our listeners can take away. If you, even if you're not a flood insurance agent, whether you're a captive or an independent agent, whether you're an agency owner or producer, we can all be doing three pieces of content every day in some way, shape or form to get our voice and our message out there and, and to reach more people. And Gary V says 60 pieces of content a day. I know he does, but he says a lot of stuff. So <laughs> what people don't realize is a piece of content doesn't have to be a blog. doesn't have to be a video. What I tell people is an image can say more than a thousand words a lot of times. I use my daughter a lot when she goes to the beach. My wife will send me pictures if I'm not with them. And I'll put that on Instagram. Like my daughter was running away from the water and I had an arrow pointing to the wave as one flood zone, land pointing to another one. That piece of content did more than five blogs could have done. That's so neat. And I, um, 
I pick on, I love Gary V. I actually really love his stuff. I think it's intriguing. I can't, it's like, you can't help but watch it, but I've heard his 60 pieces of content a day thing before. And I just thought, ah, I don't, I just don't know if I can get behind that one. So, um, so the idea is that it, we're not talking 60 blogs. We're not talking 60 videos. We're talking like 60 touch points to your online audience. I've used that picture where I've dressed up with a wig. Across all platforms, right? So yeah, I used a wig that I wore probably for 10, 10, 10 different pieces of content already. One of the pictures I used it on is I put the titles, insurance is sexy again. <laughs> because everybody always says insurance isn't sexy. And it was just more of a conversation starter. That's so funny. Do you, so it, with the grilling stuff, does it, has nobody asked you like gas or charcoal? No, they really haven't. But let me tell you, that all started as a, a kind of an accident with COVID. Just like I started a camping channel on YouTube called Not Your Everyday Camper when I bought a camper because of COVID. So I would take a family during the summer with me a lot on my flood education journey. And I would screw everything up on the camper. So I started recording it. And I was at all these different sites and I would give them a review of what site we were at. But then what happened is as we started doing that, I also have a channel called Flood the Food where I do the food on. But when I'm traveling for work, I'm also putting food reviews on there. And so then I started having conversations with restaurant owners about what we do. Then we started picking up restaurant owners as clients in some of these areas. And so like I'm cooking on there, I just help out my day, but I've picked up a whole nother audience on the cooking side and moved them over to the flood side, like insurance agents. Wow. To see what I'm doing with either my Kamado Joe or my Blackstone, mm-hmm. or they'll tune in to see how I'm going to drop poop on myself again with my camper because I screwed up my, my dump tank. You know, and things like, it has nothing to do with insurance. Honestly, it's more about entertainment. Well, and I think that people want to follow people that they, um, that they like and enjoy that's in- intriguing and interesting, right? Because if we if we wanted to, we could just Google what is flood insurance, yeah. right? And it's not going to be the same kind of experience as what you're putting together for your community. So, um, so one of the things we have in common, Chris, is that in a, in a sense, we're both educators in a way, but I don't think we initially set out to be educators in that sense. It's kind of an opportunity that developed and evolved over time. And um, in my role at Quantum, my education team builds automated sales and onboarding programs for like our salespeople and our agencies within the Quantum ecosystem. And as we built that from the ground up, we learned a lot about things that you can do to automate the education that goes on in the agency. So one of the things that you mentioned is like some of the systems that you have in place, the different platforms, you use bite-sized content. Um, But you also mentioned this spreadsheet where your team is helping you list and record the questions that are coming in. And so I think that um, this is a really big topic for agents with the new year upon us, as we're thinking about things that we want to do a little bit differently, I think that automating education with the, within the agency is becoming more and more crucial. The more that you scale and grow your team, the harder it becomes for the agency owner to grassroots train every single person that comes on board. So, so what are, I love the spreadsheet idea where everyone's like just recording the questions that are coming in because it tells you what kind of content to put out. What are some other things that you think agents could do within their agencies to make it easier 
to train and onboard people that are coming on board to their agencies so that they're not having to just sit down with every single person and train them on everything. I'm bringing on my first W2 employee on the flood side ever, but I've also had VAs. Well, when I would train a VA, yeah. I'd lose them, have to get another one, retrain them, retrain them. It's time consuming. Exactly. Whatever I'm going through my day to day, I just hit record on my vidyard. If I'm doing a quote for someone on a flood carrier, I record it, I put it in the folder for that carrier. So now the new employee, the VAs, if they have a question, they can always go back and watch the videos. Then I create do- Google documents that actually gives the text version of step-by-step. And as they're going through the process, they actually adjust that document. Hey, you missed this and I added it. Mm-hmm. So the document continues to get better and better. And so that's what I do. But also I know when they review those videos because the analytics that I use, so then I'll put a quiz in between videos and they can't go on to the next video until they pass the quiz. Love it. That right there, checking for understanding. If you have a, a feature that allows you to build that in to the content you're creating in your agency, it makes it huge because it lets you know a ton of information. Like what are they absorbing? Maybe you miss something in the content or maybe there's some things that have to be followed up on hands-on afterwards, but it helps you to identify where those are. So you can be really strategic about how you spend your time. So I really love that idea of having a process in place for when you're training VAs. I know that most of the independent agents that I talk to right now are, um, have either been using VAs or they're starting to see that like so many other agents are using VAs now that they're about to start using VAs if they haven't yet. And so, um, just if you're about to work with your first VA recording that training so that you can be proactive just in case you need it later, I think could come in handy and save you a lot of time if you end up needing to train another VA um, down the road due to, you know, various issues, whether you end up getting matched with a different person or bringing another one on because the projects are expanding. I actually have our VA shoot a lot of the videos Mm -hmm. as they're doing the process. And then that way when the new VA comes on, they can see that. Maybe it's not someone like me who's been doing it for 15, 20 years. Maybe it's someone who's only been doing it for six months. And I feel like maybe they can relate to them a little better. Do you have them do a Zoom screen share and record it? Well, we uh, not a screen share. When they record, they use something like Loom or Vidyard, which just has mm-hmm. it in the corner. Um, well, the cool thing with Vidyard, because of the platform we use, they can actually draw on the screen and everything as they're recording the video. So they can point to whatever coverage and all that stuff. So you messaged me the other day about Vidyard. Can you just like tell us in a nutshell, like what do agents need to know about Vidyard and be using it for if they're not yet? Vidyard is pretty similar to Wistia. Now, the main reasons why I threw the support the Vidyard and become a big endorser of them and now a certified partner with them is because of how I use HubSpot. So HubSpot has it where I can send a video to a customer inside every email um, and then they can open that and I get a notification they open it. I can just you know record a quick video introducing myself and then HubSpot notifies me, hey, so-and-so has clicked on this video. And that's one of the reasons I use Vidyard. But the other reason I use, and I use the advanced pay version on this, is I call it the yellow brick road. So based on the video, at the end of the video, I can choose three journeys for the customer to go down. I can literally just point to the bottom of the video and they click on it. And then each journey has another video funnel. So maybe they're ready to buy a policy. Maybe they have questions or they can make the payment here and it can take them down a different path, but they get to choose the path. And that's one of the things I really like about Vidyard. Um, and Vidyard's come around the last few years, a good competitors, maybe something like Wistia. But the reason I use Vidyard is I use YouTube, but I also use Vidyard for something like my website. For example, when we have all these referral links and we build all these videos for these agencies talking to their customers about what the next steps are, the worst thing you want to do is your competitor's ad to pop up and they jump over to your competitor and you lose them. 
And so what things like Listia and Vidyard allow me to do is have that exclusive audience with that video player on my website. Wow. That is, that's pretty advanced. <laughs> um, I've been automation for five years. I've wasted more time and more money than anybody. Yeah. Through all that, I came out with a good understanding of business process. For example, I use an app called Harvest. Uh, it's a time tracker. But I was able to use Harvest apps almost seven years ago to decide to move out of non-standard auto. Mm -hmm. Then I went back again and used Harvest app and decided to move out of auto and home. Then I used Harvest to decide if I'm going to automate something, if I'm going to outsource, or if I'm going to do it myself. Mm -hmm. But the only way I can do this is if I record myself doing the activity, know how long it takes to do it, does it require a license, does it not, right. and how much do I want to make per hour. Wow. So I love the takeaways there for our agents that are listening, whatever your niche is, whatever your specialty may be. I think that there's just a ton of opportunity on the automation side that some of us are still discovering for the first time and still scratching the surface of. So Chris, like what would your advice be to someone who's just starting to dive into these kinds of funnels that you described and things that might feel a little bit of a little overwhelming right now to somebody who just hasn't started doing it yet? Like what's a great way to get started? Avoid the shiny tool syndrome. You know, that don't do what I do and pay for every single product out there. You'd be broke. I mean, my automation bills by three grand a month. Right. But it's working uh, for you. So. It's working like four employees for me now. But it takes a while to get there to figure it out. But also remember this. Don't use automation to replace the relationship. Mm -hmm. Use automation to enhance the relationship. And so what I mean by that is we do a lot of IP data address marketing. And so if a customer comes to my website, they may get a different view if they're in Virginia than they are in Alabama. When they get an email from me, I'm using that IP data address. I'm using the pages that they have visited to see how I can answer the questions locally for them. And so those are the kind of things I use automation for. And all of a sudden they're like, man, you answered my questions in Arlington, Virginia. This other site I went to just said generally into elevation certificates. You know, I wanna work with someone who can answer my questions locally. And so all of a sudden we get them on the phone you know, they're basically ready to buy because of the education journey we sent them down on all those funnels because of all the content that we had. Mm -hmm. So you're using the tools to enhance the relationship, not replace the advice, the personal interaction and being able to make sure that they end up in the right place, talking to the right person at the end of the funnel once they make their way through it. So, so what are some things, Chris, that you are most likely never going to automate, outsource or delegate? Well, one of, I'll tell you one of the biggest things has been actually payment information. Yeah, uh, as great as virtual assistants are, that wasn't just something I feel like giving it overseas. Mm. So uh, ePay, which solved about 80% of the problem for me, but I did have to hire somebody local in-house to help with those payments and license. So that was one thing that I just was never willing to automate or you couldn't automate from a security standpoint. Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to give that information to anybody mm -hmm. and I never will. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I try not to automate though is that I don't want... People see a bunch of different people for our company. You know, I want, you know, the coolest thing that ever happens is when someone watches their video and I pick the phone up and I call them, they're like, I can't believe it's the person from the video calling me. Like, almost like really they special. would be sitting in a chair, like 10 stories up in this huge building or something. And they're like, you actually picked the phone up and you called me. For example, with our referral partners, when we build these videos off of them, we're actually redirecting their customers to leave them a review. We have a thank you card that's going to their potential clients in the mail with their information on there. We're just here to help with the flood. And I do the same thing when we bring a new team member on. I sent one the other day, I had a card in the mail, and on the front said, we're glad you decided to join us. 
here's what's most important to us. And they open it up and it's a picture of them with a pair of brownies. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. So Chris, when did you decide that you were going to follow a niche as opposed to trying to wear a lot of different hats? Uh, back in I, mean, I know you wear a lot of different hats, but you know what kind of hats I'm talking about. <laughs> I, uh, back in 2018, when I did the 30-day challenge, I was like, you know, long-term, I know I only want to do flood. I didn't have the passion for auto at home anywhere. I was like, well, you could just pay someone to do it on the side. So I didn't really have a desire to manage someone to do that. And I didn't want to be managing like 10 employees. I'd done that. It just wasn't something that I really had a passion for. So I said, we're going to go heavy in flood. It's the one thing that everybody runs away from. Now it's going to take us a couple of years to get to a level where we can feel comfortable with that revenue. And we're getting, we're getting close to that level. You know, we've gone from what used to be an average premium of $500. Now it might be an average premium of $3,000. We've understood, we've um, come to understand this year, the agency fee game with surplus fees and things like that, and how that can play a big role in revenue uh, because of the actions that we're taking and the things we're able to do in surplus markets to help people. You know, a lot of our fees will actually end up paying for our payroll next year. Um, and that was something I just discovered this year. And that's when I really got in the flood. And I was like, no, that's all we're going to do. But then came the flood insurance. But then came the flood education division with our company named Flood Professor, where we teach realtors and lenders CE across the country. So what if we could partner with an independent agent and we get them in the room with 200 realtors? What could that do for their business? Yeah, we're helping with the flood. But what could that do for them? Then on the flood consulting side, when we get these flood zones changed, we put these mitigation plans together. Now look at the revenue opportunity on the flood consulting side. So all of a sudden, between those three now, we don't have time for that. But then now this whole content journey, if we did all this content, now creating a content creation course and teaching people what we did on our journey, uh, you know how you can do this and you can focus on this. I don't care if you're a bakery down the street. Let us show you how you can beat you know, Walmart at their own game without their budget. Love it. And so now came our marketing agency where we help a lot of company owners with that content journey. Mm -hmm. You know, with YouTube, simple things like tags and titles. You know, how do I do a playlist on YouTube? Just a simple thing. So, Chris, I think just to share with you a little bit of what stands out to me when I started seeing your stuff come through on my social media news feeds when we started connecting, I think that you are a really great example of the power of what can happen when you really zero in your focus on an area where you're like really, really strong, an area where you you're super passionate about something, you're knowledgeable about something and you have the systems and processes in place. And I think one of the biggest challenge for insurance agency owners today is that as a business owner, you find yourself having to wear a lot of hats within the agency. So everything from the marketing to the HR to um, coaching and motivating and training and working with clients and trying to develop commercial with your, within your agency, there can be a lot of distractions. And so I think um, that part of that's necessary. And part of it, building a new amazing organization is, ha is having to do all of those things in the beginning. I think there's a place for that because the stronger you're, you are at it, the easier it will be to train your team members that follow after you as the team grows. But what's really exciting to me is this opportunity along that journey where as agency owners, as their teams grow and scale and as their staff grows and, and they become really great at what they do, it provides a little bit more bandwidth for agency owners to begin stepping into spending more of their time on what they're uniquely really talented at. 
And I think that's different for every person. So for you, everything going back to your background, how you were raised, the, um, what you went to college for all kind of like led you to this place where you are this amazing flood insurance guru. And I think that we have a lot of agency owners listening who are uniquely talented and gifted in certain areas. I think I can think of people off the top of my head that are just like really good at branding their agency. I can think of people who are really, really good at team culture and recruiting. I can think of people who are really, really good at like coaching and motivating retention processes, whatever it might be. And so part of uh, the, the goal of this age of independence podcast is as your agency scales and grows, um, helping to create a space for you as the agency owner to be able to dive into that, what that niche looks like for you and the power of what can happen when you're able to zero in your, in your focus into what you're really, really uniquely good at. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Oh, well, actually, I'll take it back to what Jason Katz said to me probably two years ago. Something's going to happen one day with this. It's going to blow up, and you're going to have to decide between flood insurance and flood education. You're going to decide which path you want to go down. And probably about a year and a half ago, as I started getting this marketing, well, I was never a marketing fan, but somewhere along the way, I developed this passion for it. And I already had the passion for education because I grew up with a learning disability. So that'll always be a core focus of our company. And then the content creation. So what I did then is I said, you know, what can I, and I was actually talking to my dad about this. I was like, you know, I can hire some people to do 80% of what I do, but there's about 20% I do that I can't hire them because of my educational background. I mean, it just, I'm really the only one in our agency that can do it. Yeah. But what I can do is I can hire awesome people that can handle the other 80%. So I can focus so much on that 20% that honestly it drives our agency, uh, which is what my plan is with the mitigation side. And helping people reduce risk, the education side, and then the content creation side. You know, those are the three areas where I think, you know, I've become pretty talented, you know, but if I can just hire someone who has a heart of a teacher who walks people down that education path that can sell policies through that, then in the day, I think we're going to be successful because people are going to continue to come to us for one reason. And that is because of our passion for education. They want to work with someone who's going to walk them down the path. They don't want to work with someone who said, here's my price. Here it, it is what it is. Well, great. How did I get there? Absolutely. And we're all uniquely gifted at something. And the, the more that we're able to spend our time on those areas where we're like uniquely passionate and uniquely gifted, I think the more rewarding it is and the more exciting it is to, to just keep building that career. So, so Chris, tell us real quick before we wrap up today, um, tell us a little bit about your referral program for agencies and how they can reach out to you. Um, moving forward at the flood insurance guru. Yeah. So we have this you know, uh, referral link. We actually built out uniquely for each agency. You can keep it on your desktop. Uh, we do pay a new business commission referral commission on the independent side, on the capital side. They don't know uh, they allow us to, but they can't take it unfortunately. Um, but our whole goal is to be an extension of your team. Our whole goal is at the end of the day to make your agency look like a rock star, like a commercial agent I had the other day. So, Hey, you completely saved me on this deal made me look really good to the client. Now I can call the client and let them, guess what? I'm taking less money from you. And so all of a sudden they've got a customer for life. And so that's kind of our goal. But if you just reach out to me through our website, floodinsuranceguru.com, um, we can build one of those links uniquely for your agency. We can build a Microsoft Teams channel or a Slack channel for your team where we can communicate back and forth with you just to answer your flood questions. If you have a customer come, like I've got one right now, just came through Messenger. Hey, when you get a chance, I got a couple questions for you. We're here to answer those questions. I think that what, that's what shocks a lot of people, though, is the amount of questions we're willing to answer. I guess maybe a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't have time for that. 
And I spend most of my day on the phone with agents, realtors, just simply answering flood questions. One of the reasons I'm so excited about what you do is you just pack a ton of value for agents. You just make it insanely easy for agents to make sure that their clients are properly insured for flood. And I feel like there's a huge value there because it's a big pain point for a lot of, a lot of, um, our peers and colleagues in the world. It's just one of those niche things that, um, you've done a really great job of creating an environment where everybody wins, the agent wins, the client wins, and they have the coverage that they need. And, um, and it just works really, really smoothly. So, uh, thanks for sharing with us today, Chris. I feel like there were, I took, honestly, guys, like, I took so many notes (laughs) while Chris was talking. So really appreciate that. And agents, this series is about you. The age of independence is here and it is bringing a wave of opportunity. That's one of the biggest we could ask for. So together we're going to use competitive, competitive intelligence and bring your strengths to the table so that you can scale and grow and do what you are uniquely gifted and passionate to do. And so um, before we sign off, Chris, um, will you let us know when you hit 700 videos in 700 days so we can send you a, a DM? Yeah, it'll be said. I'm going to project, I think it's the first or second week of December. Awesome. So, congrats on that. Um, really huge milestone. And thank you, agents and listeners. This is Caitlin Agar and Chris Green signing off. Until next time.